From the Jewish Federation of Florida's Gulf Coast, this is the Parsha Pathways Podcast. Dive in to the weekly Torah portion led by rabbis local to Florida's Gulf Coast, Pinellas Pasco, and Hernando Counties. Participate live every Friday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time via Zoom. Visit jewishgulfcoast.org slash Parsha to learn more. And in that spirit, let us begin this noble cause, as our Torah portion for this week is Nitzavim, which in English means one's standing. In other words, we stand as one, echoing the values of unity. Unity is an important thing. Moses continues in his speech. He implores the Israelites to live a principled and ethical life as they move forward without his leadership, unfortunately. He incorporates three exquisite excerpts that typify the foundation of Judaism. The first being unity, the second being accountability, and of course, the third, purposivity, or having purpose, all cemented by the fact that God forgives us when we faithfully observe his covenant. And Moses reassures, Moses reassures the Israelites of all of this by the very fact that we're still standing. You're standing, you're here today. So I'm reminded of a legend, a legend when the people heard the frightening litany of 98 curses in the admonition in chapter 28, which is prior to Nitzavim, they turned colors in fright. They were fearful at what seemed to be a hopeless future. At this point, Moses comforted them. You know how he comforted them? He said to them that regardless of all the past sins, they were still standing. And standing before whom? Before God. So just as God had not not discarded them before God would maintain them in the future, fear of the admonition would prevent the Israelites from sinning. And if they did sin, the punishment, the punishments would bring them atonement, not destruction. This is why we have the renewal, the renewal of the covenant before the notion of unity. You're standing. I'm reminded of Elton John song, right? I'm still standing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's, it's true. Moses was empathetic here. He stresses the importance of a binding covenant. And even more telling is the way he divides the people into sort of categories. And suggesting, and again, this is the Midrash. This isn't me saying this. This is a Midrash. Suggesting that everyone is responsible according to how many people they can persuade. So he realized that leaders have the potential to persuade so many people. We see it till today in today's world. Women, their immediate families and neighbors, children, 
only a few friends and classmates, while the common laborer, according to tradition, again, this is legend, this isn't me. Legend says that even the common laborer can hardly persuade anyone. And boy, has that changed. We'll talk about that change for another Parshat Pathway. But God does not demand more than is possible. God is not satisfied with less. And again, this is all taken from the Book of Legends. Now, given that we're so close to the High Holy Days, and so we had Slichot last week, and the Sephardic Jews, they have Slichot for 40 days, the whole month of Elul. They can't get enough of it. Um, my last statement reminds me of something that Dr. Martin King Jr. once said, that life's persistent and most urgent question is, what are we doing for others? You know, and especially as we look to the future, I can't help but think about our children and the world that they're inheriting into the future. What are we doing? Is it, what are we doing to help our children help themselves? In other words, are we really teaching our children about the foundations of Judaism in today's crazy world? And if you think today is crazy, you ain't seen nothing yet this year. It's going to get even more interesting. How do we, how do we in this crazy world apply any of the aforementioned teachings before? Our children, like the Israelites in Itzavim, are constantly moving forward. They're growing. The Israelites are reassured that all is forgiven if they just hold on, hold on to certain ethical values. This is what season we call it. And it's always interesting how Nitzavim falls during the season, the season of Slichot, the season of Rosh Hashanah, the season of forgiveness. From my own personal experiences, both as a dad and now as I'm engaged to Tracy as a grandfather, because I've inherited a grand, you know, I've become a, and, a, and more children I've inherited as well. So I'm able to make certain observations as I listen to them carefully as I listen to my grandchildren's experiences. Kids are definitely more often than not asked to forgive, right? Forgive your sister for taking your toys. Forgive for throwing a toy into midair without looking which way it happens to accidentally hit your brother or sister. Forgive. Gaga, a.k.a. Grandma, for running late, right? We hear that. When we ask our kids or grandkids to forgive, to say, they, okay, when someone has said that, they're sorry. The question becomes, do our kids or grandchildren really understand what that means? Do they move on or are they simply responding to what we're telling them to say. Because you see, it's not just about our Torah portion, it's Avim, or Rosh Hashanah, or Yom Kippur. It's about the importance for our children to understand compassion, to understand forgiveness, to understand what it is, acts of loving kindness. 
Instructing our children to forgive is a crucial life tool that'll help guide them through childhood, adolescence, and even eventually into adulthood. Now, holding on to anger and resentment, well, that's a recipe for disaster, for anxiety and depression for both children and for adults. And that's why, why I believe that the earlier forgiveness is taught, the earlier we can prevent children from taking on the role of a victim. That in turn, it'll help prevent anxiety. It'll help prevent depression. So now this turns into an even bigger question, right? So in a world where the normal has become abnormal and the abnormal has become normal, how do we as Jews, or even as humane individuals, teach forgiveness? So let's start. The first thing that comes to mind, to forgive does not mean to forget. Oh no. What I mean by this statement is that children, as well as many adults, they're hesitant, hesitant in forgiving because, well, some believe that it means condoning the other person's behavior. And additionally, there's also an inaccuracy that forgiving means forgetting, which might bring on concern that guess what? It'll happen again. I taught my kids that in reality, to forgive is to say to someone, I didn't appreciate your words or your actions, but I'm willing to let it go because it doesn't help me to hold on to these sort of feelings. So kind of forgiveness here is not just for the other person. Forgiveness is for whom? For us, isn't it? On a certain level. So in order to forgive, there are times when we need to look beyond a person's action and examine the person and the situation. And I'll give you an example. I could talk about this now because statute of limitation, right, Justin? If you're listening to this, my son came to me many years ago, very upset. He was in second grade. And one day this girl simply wouldn't leave him alone. She kept calling him names during recess, during lunch. Whenever class had a break, and I tried helping my eldest examine what was happening, I said that maybe the girl wanted to, uh, to eat with you, to have you know, lunch with you, with the group, or to be a part of the game. What were you playing you know, during recess? What were you doing? And maybe no one just wanted to invite her. And uh, to which she responded, she's just a mean person, Abba. She's always yelling after even more examination. Because I, I like to research things. I was very involved with the community at the time. I actually learned that this little girl's mother had a miscarriage and was acting out what she was experiencing between her mother and her father at the time. There was a friction in the house and she was experiencing and witnessing this. And she was, of course, <laughs> imitate, imitating it. And then, then he felt, he didn't feel pity for her. There's a difference. He felt bad for her. He felt bad. So perhaps helping 
helping our children sort of understand a possible cause for another person's actions inspires in them compassion and forgiveness. The thing I did with my son, Justin, before I asked him to let it go, right? Let it go. Where's that from? Uh, Disney's. Uh, I asked him to let it go, to, to forgive or, you know, excuse this person's behavior. Before I did all this, I asked him to identify what it was that he was really feeling. I said, Justin, what are you really feeling? And what are you experiencing? Are you angry? Are you embarrassed? Are you disappointed? Or, or maybe you're even scared. It was important that he understand how this incident made him feel before he could forgive. Which leads us to another point. Acknowledge the feelings before we forgive. And once my kid understood what he was feeling, I then had a great opportunity to introduce him to something unusual till today. He says, Abba, you and your visualization, <laughs> I helped him visualize certain things. It helped him let go of what he was feeling. And to visualize, essentially, for those of you who don't know, is, is to imagine or to draw a picture of something in your own mind or, or try to make something visible when you can't, obviously. When we close our eyes and imagine ourselves, for example, I guess, getting a great grade in school, we can actually see ourselves getting a great grade and being top in our class. Now, through the years, I found, in his case, Balloons worked. He loved balloons as a kid, whether we went to the circus, whether wherever we went. For him, it was about balloons. I took his most favorite thing, which was balloons, as an example, to be the most effective visualization tool. So um, I remember offering him a, uh, a pretend balloon. I was out, but I don't see the balloon. I said, pretend it's there. I asked him to consider and think about what he was feeling anger, embarrassment, whatever he was feeling, and so on. And then I then proceeded to ask him to blow into that balloon, all sorts of feelings into that pretend balloon. Then I told him that the balloon was tied to him by an imaginary string. And when he was ready to let go of those feelings, I offered him pretend scissors pretend scissors to cut the string and release the feelings. I helped him imagine that the balloon was flowing high into the sky. And when he was ready, only when he was ready, I, I told him, imagine that that balloon gently pops, spreading dust of love and compassion to those beneath it. He totally remembers that image till today. And it's amazing. It makes a difference as they become adults. So lastly, and most importantly, we all need to be role models to show our kids that we too are not 
above forgiving others. It's important for our children to understand that learning to let it go may take time. That the essential lesson here is to keep trying. That's why we read Nitzavim every year. That's we observe, why we observe Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur every year. It's about making an effort. We're all works in progress. That's what makes us human. And in some cases, not all, humane. We're all learning, we're all growing to become the best people that we can be into the future for our children. So it's about making an effort. It's about understanding forgiveness. It's about acts of loving kindness. Because if you take mean plus mean, it equals more mean, right? Or anger plus anger, more anger. That compassion plus love. Well, that's always historically what's healed us as people. So sum it up. It's important to teach our children perspective as most people tend to only see their side of the issue. We need to teach our children to be able to see things, perhaps from the other side as well. Our side is only part of the story, right? It's like a coin. You have heads, you have tails. And yet the two are what? Inseparable, part of the same coin. So, Forgiving someone is much easier when we understand, I guess, the entire story, not just part of it. And also, no holding back. What do we gain by holding a grudge, right? Feelings of indignation, they hold us back from moving forward. We end up stuck in emotions from past experiences. Forgiveness really releases those emotions and offers us a clean slate, a clean slate for new experiences and emotions. This is what the Israelites were experiencing in Nitzavim. New leadership, new slate, new opportunities entering the promised land. You take a look at it. Moses is alluding to this, be prepared. It's going to be new leadership. What's inside of us eventually comes out. So if we're filled, filled with bitterness, that we'll give, that's what we're going to give others. So let's fill our hearts and minds with peace, with forgiveness, so that we'll be ready. We'll be ready to offer good things to others. And we need to teach our children how to serve. That's another thing I've noticed, to serve. For starters, maybe volunteering in a local soup kitchen or charity, homeless shelter, habitat for humanity as they get older. Giving forgiveness, folks, takes humility. How do we build a spirit of humility? By being mindful, mindful of the needs of others. And finally, we all know this, the golden rule, 
we treat others the way we wish to be treated ourselves. We should always ask our children how they would want someone to respond to them when they did something wrong. They would want to be forgiven, I think. Then we tell them to do likewise. Let's all say together, amen, as we think about our future and their future together. Hi, I'm Maxine Kaufman, Executive Director of the Jewish Federation of Florida's Gulf Coast, and I'm quickly interrupting this episode to tell you a bit about the organization that brings you the Parsha Pathways podcast. Welcome to the world of the Jewish Federation, where the Jewish values of compassion, charity, generosity, and responsibility inspire us to improve the quality of life for people in our community, in Israel, and around the world every day. It is time to meet the challenges of modern Jewish life, both at home and overseas, and to provide the financial resources needed to fund the many services, programs, and activities that are demanded of us to sustain and continue to grow a strong, vital, and vibrant Jewish life. Programs like Parsha Pathways are brought to you free of charge, but donations are always welcome. Visit jewishgulfcoast.org slash donate to learn more. Now I'm willing to take questions at this point in time. Anyone who wishes to share questions or to, to ask questions, because, you know, I'm, I'm a rabbi. I always like to answer a question with a question. So feel free anytime. Ask away. David, hello. How are you? Good. Great to see you. Hi, Tracy. I haven't seen you in quite a while. Uh, our, kids went to, our kids went to school. So it's nice seeing you. Um, yeah. Uh, I was going to, what about, uh, you know, you talk about forgiveness of others. Talk a little bit about the bigger, which I find harder is forgiveness of myself, of yourself, of oneself, and, and, and how to tackle that. Because we don't, you know, that seems to be a, a you know, you, you say you're, you're shining what you are feeling, but if you're not forgiving yourself, you're going to be, seems like that's the first step that we don't really talk about. That's a great, great question, by the way. And you're absolutely right. We're the ones that wake up in the morning looking at ourselves in the mirrors, you know, saying, do I really love myself? Have I done the best that I can to, to help people help myself? Could, could I help people help themselves? Could I have done, uh, you know, something better? You know, could I have responded better to, to another person? Because look, it's, it's human to react very quickly when we're caught off guard sometimes. And someone says something, for example, out of the blue. How do we stay focused and on track and perspective? And, and you raise a great question, but it has to do with understanding yourself the best. In other words, having an awareness of self. 
which many people, you know, just don't. We're, we're robotic. I mean, if you take a look at the way the education system has progressed, uh, and I think there that the education system has is, is gotten better in certain respects and not so better in certain respects. I think that they focused a great deal now on, on um, how um, we should be in touch more with our feelings, with how it is that we feel where this was never really an issue, even going back 20 years ago. You're expected to do X, Y, and Z, listen to your teacher, and that was it, never to question. I think that it has to start at an early age, David. I think that kids need to be made aware that it's okay to ask questions in class, not to be robotic, even to challenge. And one of the things I do is uh, when I, when I'm, because now, uh, because my duties at Emmanuel, I, I've had to take on less. So I, I'm becoming the assistant, uh, a, a, a substitute adjunct at Nassau Community. And I always tell the students when I'm there, I said, I don't want you to listen to what I have to say. I want you to question. I don't want you to take my word at face value. Research it. Challenge me. I think it's important if they understand that we as adults have a great sense of self, okay, and are comfortable in our own skin, then they can be in turn themselves. And that's how they'll grow, by asking the difficult questions that some adults are scared to answer, or maybe are unable to answer because they don't have such a keen sense of self. So the question now becomes, how do we get to become keen? And the only way is by not being number one, so hard on ourselves. Some of us are very hard on ourselves. I know we always say to ourselves, if only I would have done this, or if only I would have said this, maybe I could have handled this better. Instead of accepting the fact that, you know what? We learn, we make mistakes. My grandmother used to say in, in, in Yemenite, you're only perfect in your imperfections. And that's what being human is all about. Once we can acknowledge that we are perfect in our imperfections, that's when the healing within us can begin. I hope that that somewhat helps. It's a great question, David. It's a great question. That's why I always say we're works in progress. We have to learn how to forgive ourselves and, and not to be so tough on ourselves. Just as a quick follow-up, though, if Please. we concentrate so much on ourselves, if we concentrate concentrate so much on ourselves, isn't that self-defeating? <laughs> or you know, I mean, aren't we focusing on making exacerbating sometimes? Uh, I I know, think. It, it's a great it's a great point that you raise and, and all that. I, I get what you're saying. So focusing, exacerbating on ourselves. It, it depends on the approach on how we do it. I mean, if you're obviously I'm not saying, you know, to to, to go to a point where you exhaust yourself, that you run out of options on how to improve yourself, you know, because then you, you you become come so, you know, becomes convoluted. What I'm saying is that. Perhaps there are ways of handling situations better that we learn through the years and sort of incorporated into our 
daily lives. I, I know that when I have board meetings, I certainly don't handle board meetings, for example, the way I did when I first started out from rabbinic school. I handled them very differently. And I think that I've become also a better listener through the years. And I think experience is the key to your uh, question. And that's why I, I value experience tremendously. I don't think that experience can replace anything, really. It's just time. The more time, the more contact with people, the more experience we get. But it's a great question, David. Great question. Thank you. David, I'm gonna share with the, with my old friend, David. Um, uh, I think I think forgiveness is, um, is as you know, I'm a nurse. Um, it's like a well-being superpower. Like it's a gift that we can give ourselves just as if we treat ourselves like our little inner child that, you know, not being, being, being um, focused and directed as to what specifically the lesson was, asking good questions of ourselves. I always used to say, ask, you know, did you ask any good questions today at school? Um, but asking good questions of ourselves um, and feeling like, you know, okay, well, if I'm asking a question and I know I could have done better, what would I have done differently? Okay, so we put that in. That's an opportunity for the next day. But, you know, letting it go, um, Disney's not made a mistake with that song, Let It Go. Um, that is, um, forgiveness is definitely a, a well-being superpower. Okay. Absolutely. That's my well-being <laughs> thing for the day. <laughs> Thank you so much, Nurse Ben Stock. <laughs> Bev has her hand up. Oh, go ahead, Bev. Hi. Um, you two are such a cute couple. I wish you happiness. Thank you, Bev. Really. Um, but to get back to David's question, how can we forgive ourselves? To me, it's really pretty simple, and I think Tracy touched on it. I think we need to recognize and admit what we did was wrong. That's the first thing. We have to recognize it within ourselves and admit it to ourselves and then decide that we're not going to do this again. And that's what this season is about. We're going to turn. Bet. Bet. To, we're going to return to our to our best selves, that's it. Oh, and, and I wanna to add to that, that's exactly the foundation of Judaism, which we were talking about before. Remember, unity and what? Accountability, the second one, and exactly. Being accountable, you, you, you brought it home, Bev. That's an ex excellent point. And then purposivity, you got it. You totally got it. Perfect. Any other questions? Monica, you looked like you had a question. <laughs> oh, I'm, I guess, uh, well, thank you for sharing um, such wonderful uh, information and Tracy for your comments. I mean, our history goes back decades. Um, 
I just want to say my biggest uh, challenge, I think, going forward now, after we've all been through almost three years of COVID, is how do we get back to better civility between people? Um, because I think that's my hardest thing to overcome is, is just how, um, you know, as you're driving, it seems to be like it's almost bumper cars. It's like everybody each for yourself now. And um, that's kind of how I feel as I progress. So um, I almost have FOGO, fear of going out, you know, again, um, doing a lot of things just because the world is not the way it was as I remember it. And I don't think I was looking through rose colored glasses. No, you weren't. So I'm willing to forgive these people, but I'm kind of like, uh, okay, but it's really not okay. You're right. And uh, you, you raise an interesting point. And then we segue into the fact, well, who is what is forgiveness? The whole concept of forgiveness, whom is it for? Is it for them or is it for you? This is another question that you raise. You, Monica, great point also. To just, and I say it all the time, I go, just let it go. You know, my husband wants to slam on the horn. <laughs> of course he does. Like, just let it go, let it go, because, you know, no good can come from this. It's true. That's the key. No good can come from harboring the anger, the bitterness, the, nothing good comes of it. Nothing. We need to focus on, on that's why I always say gravitate toward like-minded people. And what does that mean? People that are willing to let it go and just move together. Nobody, again, it's not ignoring. Remember what I said earlier, don't ignore it, but put it in perspective and let it go. Put it in perspective though. That's important as well. Thank you. You're welcome, Monica. Thank you. to everyone. Yeah, Jacqueline, go ahead. Yes, one of the things, but uh, if you don't let it go, you develop all sorts of weird illnesses, like ulcers, for example. Uh, this is uh, why wreck your health by holding on to anger and grudges and uh, uh, unpleasantness in your life. Oh, forgive people, forgive yourself, and move on. Beautifully put. Beautifully put. We call it to hold on would be body dollars. Is that the correct term, Tracy? <laughs> I was wondering. Okay. I, I read that somewhere. So, I mean, that's, you, you, you make a great point, Jacqueline, absolutely. Great point, you're right, all sorts of, even mental illness, not just physical illness, mental illness can occur. Yes. And this is a great point you raise. Anyone else think, feel, go ahead. I think we've all been like conditioned now with these last few years, like listening to the news, 24 seven and a million headlines going past. And, you know, it was, there, there are very important things going on in the world, but there were, I mean, before we had COVID shots and we needed to know about things, I mean, we really needed to be hyper vigilant. And I think, I think what Monica's maybe saying too, is like, how do you undo that hypervigilance? And um, nature for me works 
wonders being out and you know going for a, a walk and I call it an air bath sometimes um and and just remembering to some to disengage from some technology and you know is this is is this going to you know move my place along or is this going to like take up real estate in my head for no good reason so it sounds like what you're saying, Tracy, is that each of us have uh, certain outlets that you know we can relate to. For you, it's nature. For others, it might be I don't know music. For <laughs> <laughs> uh, everybody, has their own way of of release, and uh, that release then helps us gain perspective on the situation or on on what's occurring around us. Fair to say. Something like that. I knew I knew a lady who used to turn on um, some music, turn the news off, turn on some music, and dance in her living room. There uh, you go. So I, and I know a cartoon, a cartoon <laughs> character named Snoopy did the same thing. <laughs> That's right, Snoopy dance. That's it. Beautiful. I still do. <laughs> That's right. We all. <laughs> great comments, really great, thoughtful questions. This is awesome. Feel free, again, ask away. If you're any, anything, there's no such thing as a silly question. Ask away, this is so important to get out there. Or comments. Well, a a follow-up question. Actually, it's not, it, so when you're turning, you know, you're supposed to turn toward away from what your behavior and commit to a new behavior, but you're also supposed to turn toward Hashem. And can you, so that's, you know, it's a great statement to turn toward Hashem, um, but it's, can you unpack that? <laughs> I mean, what, uh, other than I know you, you should do mitzvot, you can, but I mean, what, what, what do you think turning to Hashem means as a, uh, for me, turning to Hashem is making a difference in someone's life. It means uh, being able to help people help themselves when nobody else is willing to help them help themselves. It means visiting people who aren't doing well. It means being there for the community 24-7 if called upon or when called upon. I mean, I've had congregants, for example, call me 2, 3 in the morning, and I've been there like that not even an issue, that's important. Um, you know, for, at least that's, that's why I became a rabbi. I grew up in a rabbinic household. I saw what it was like and, and the light that um, dad was able to bring into people's life, uh, whether it was during uh, the loss of a loved one, whether it's after or before surgery, when someone was fearful of, of surgery going under the knife, for example, or just being there for people. I think it's so important that you become a better listener. For me, going and, and emulating what we call Hashem-like, it's by listening. The more I listen, the better I think I become, or I hope. So for me, listening is very crucial. And from listening, it spreads out into, into different uh, areas. 
depending on what the situation is, really. But again, you raise a great point, David. What does that mean? And for everyone else, it's going to mean something else. Hashem. You know, Jay's uh, vision of Hashem is, is different than Tracy's or than Leslie's or, or than uh, Kendra's, you know, or Gil's. You know, every, everybody has a, a different, there is a commonality in terms of ethical, you know, certain ethics and be, but, you know, the Hashem in and of itself, the concept of Hashem, everybody has a very different image of it, of that whole concept of God. And that could be an adult education, a, at least a, a, a mini series, you know, which is, a, again, it's a great question you're asking. Great follow-up question. For me, it's listening. Yes, Leslie. I can't hear you. Unmute yourself. Yeah. Can you hear me now? Yes, please. Yes. Well, for me, um, I moved to a different community and I'm not too close to the synagogue. So I Zoom Saturday mornings in the services and praying. I feel closer and see some of my friends from my former synagogue and, and, and that helps me. You see, there you go. That's a great, that's a great way of, of experiencing that. It's excellent. Anyone else? Excellent. Thank you, Leslie. Thank you. Thank you. Very insightful. I think making, making time for our thoughts also is, um, where we sit, I mean, here's a challenge. We sit for five minutes and don't have technology in your hand whatsoever. We're a lot more creative than we, than we give ourselves credit for. Resist the temptation of get up and have to do. It's not meditation. It's not, you know, your eyes aren't closed. It's not woo-woo. But sometimes when we're, when we're doing that, we may not have all the right things to do, but we certainly know the wrong things is my, is, is my feeling. And, and I think that the mind just needs that like reset button. We've got a lot coming at us. And, you know, I think what Monica said is really, I, I, I keep going back to that. It's really pertinent. Cause I feel, I feel too, that people are, you know, people are angry and people, you know, and, and surrounding yourself with um, maybe situations that are, you know, that we can't control everything. We certainly can't control, you know, driving in the car and, and but, but we can control who we are in that moment. Like Monica saying to her husband, what good is it going to do? You know? <laughs> so <laughs> that, I mean, that's, it's useful and heck, we didn't think we'd have to grow in this way at this point, but you know, what a more perfect time of year to be introspective. Great, great comment. Ladies and gentlemen, with that in mind, I'd like to wish you all what we call a Shana Tova Umtuka, a happy, and a healthy new year, and um, learn forgiveness. But first, we have to forgive whom, David, and I think you you we have to learn how to forgive what 
ourselves. So when we first forgive ourselves, then we're able to do anything on this earth. We're able to help ourselves, help those around us. Remember, I always tell you, use this example as well. When you're on a flight and those masks come down, who do you put the mask over first? Yourselves. So that then you can, only then you can help people around you. So great awareness of self is so important. And with that said, Kamar Chatimatova as well. Have a sweet new year. May you all be inscribed in the book of life. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you so Thank much you. for joining Shabbat us. Shalom. Shabbat shalom. Thank Shabbat you. Shabbat shalom. And, and I'll see you in a couple of weeks, I hope. Yes, everyone. Thank you so much for being here. Shabbat shalom and Shabbat shalom. We will not be having Parsha Pathways um, for the next couple of weeks until the high holidays are over. So we will see you back here with Rabbi Ronika Hadi once more on, um, I believe it's the the 23rd of next month? Yes. Uh, 21st, I think. 21st, 21st, I think, right? Kara, thank you so much again, you and Maxine for making this possible. Tremendous. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Rabbi. And thank you so much to everybody thank who, who joins us on Parsha Pathways. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's Parsha Pathways. We hope that this episode filled your heart, mind, and soul with Jewish wisdom. Don't forget to stop by jewishgulfcoast.org to explore everything that the Federation has to offer. And we look forward to bringing you next week's Parsha. Shabbat Shalom.